Hi there, listeners. It's Farnoosh. And I just want to say I'm really honored that you've chosen to subscribe to So Money. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. The fact that you're here is not lost on me. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes and you're benefiting from the advice and you want more, I've actually created something really special for us. It's called the So Money Members Club. It's an online platform where you can connect more closely with me and engage with fellow So Money fans who want to become more empowered in their financial lives. The website is So Money members.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all the benefits, including exclusive monthly finance workshops, private group calls with me. You get your questions answered in our member community. I'm often in there weighing in, and you get instant access to all of our workshop recordings. We have a robust library that's growing so far. We've had workshops on investing in real estate, kids and money, and how to earn more in 2024. And most of all, it's fun, positive, encouraging, all the things personal finance should be. Go to somoneymembers.com and I hope you'll join us. I'm limiting enrollment and doors will close soon. Check out somoneymembers.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money Episode 1630, Why a Man is Not a Financial Plan, with Maggie Jondro, Certified Financial Planner at Jondro Wealth. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. First place to find out what you all have together is your tax return. So ask for last year's tax return. And if you don't know how to read it, there are so many professionals that will help you decipher. And you're going to see all of your investments, all of your assets, all of your debts on there. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. It's Valentine's week. It's also my birthday week. So I'm kicking things off with a show topic that is near and dear. Why it is vital for women to have their own money. 
Everyone should have their own money. But this message I find needs to be more emphasized for women who sometimes feel it's not their strength or their role to make money or manage money in a relationship. The impetus for this episode was actually a New York Times essay. You may have read it. You may have seen me share it online. It's called Never Rely on a Man's Money. And the writer, Maggie Smith, captures how her divorce was a shock that led her to a new vow. She writes, uh, the vow is financial independence. So we're going to get into that New York Times piece and also bring on our guest today, Maggie Jondro. She's a former guest on So Money, partner and financial advisor at Jondro Wealth. She's one of my favorite financial planners, and she and I share a common love for making women rich. So I definitely wanted to have her on the show to pick apart this issue. We talk about what she sees in her practice. Oftentimes, women clients coming to her post-divorce with financial regrets. What are those regrets? What are the absolute facts women need to know about their financial lives and how can we plan for and sometimes insist upon more financial transparency and equality in our relationships. Here's Maggie Jondro. Oh my gosh, I had to have you stop talking before I hit record because you were giving me all the good stuff. Maggie Jondro, welcome to So Money. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is why a man is not a financial plan, a bumper sticker you have owned since the 90s, probably. Um, (laughs) Whenever you were in high school, I don't mean to age you. I was in the 90s in high school. Welcome, my friend. Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. And this is my favorite topic. And I love following you because I know it's your favorite topic. So let's get into it. It's going to go on my grave. A man is on a financial plan. I actually recently posted on Instagram, one of my reels. I'm really into like hot takes these days. I'm in my 40s. I've been doing this for a long time. I have a lot of opinions. It's time to share them. Mm. And (laughs) Instagram's kind of like a good place to do that. And I just put up this like, I said, basically, this is what I said. If you are someone who's in a relationship, I don't care if you're a man, a woman, I don't care who you're in a relationship with, but if that partner of yours is telling you, I'll handle the I'll handle the money, honey. Don't worry about it. I have friends who don't even know how to write a check. Like they need money. They're like, oh, how do I PayPal you? I have to ask my husband. What? Um, if that's happening and also and or your partner does not want you working, you need to stop everything, grab a notebook and watch Sleeping with the Enemy. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That's so, so, so true. It's like the 2024 way of saying a man is on a financial plan. And I have to say, we have context for this. We actually, both you and I, we, were, we, we like to DM each other a lot. We talk on the go. We both were obsessed with this modern love piece in the New York Times. It is a journal, a diary basically of this woman whose name is Maggie Smith, who wrote about why she's never relying on a man's money. She goes on to say, divorce was a shock that led me to a new vow, financial independence. I want to just read the first couple of sentences in her essay, just to kind of set the stage for us. And then I want to hear from you, Maggie, because you work with women professionally as their financial advisor. You see this not just Maggie's story here. I know your name is Maggie. It's going to get a little confusing. Maggie, the woman who wrote the essay in the New York Times, you're Maggie Jondro. But this is what Maggie said. The moment I knew I would never again have a joint bank account, I was driving home in a hard rain with a small butterscotch lollipop in my mouth. Ooh, I would take the sweetness where I could find it. Nearly an hour before, I had logged into the savings account I shared with my husband to discover that half of the savings 
had been withdrawn in one chunk right after the last big argument my husband and I had. I called him and I'll never forget what he said. I have goosebumps. He said his lawyer had recommended it. He was a lawyer and now he had a lawyer? This was also a shock. I hung up, wiped the mess of mascara from under my eyes and drove through the rain to our local bank to withdraw the rest. My two children, oblivious in the back seat. When I left, clutching courtesy lollipops for us three, I knew my marriage was over. I knew I would need to use my half of the savings to hire a lawyer. And I vowed a loaded verb choice I know, given the context, never to be financially dependent on a man again. This is harrowing that she's a mom and she has two kids. And so often, well, I don't have to guess what's going to happen after this. She's probably going to have to pay more to raise these kids on her own as it happens, given the kind of man she's married or was married to. So tell us why this essay really struck a chord with you, Maggie. I just want to hear like your initial thoughts when you when you read this. It struck a chord with me because unfortunately, so many women that come to work with me because I do have an additional specialty in divorce and finance are in this position where they come to me and they've said, you know, I spent my life raising our kids. Um, that was my job. And as we know, so many people don't see that as a job still in our modern day society. And I just didn't have time or I wasn't interested or to your point, more extreme, my husband told me not to be interested, which I think is the big red flag, right? Um, in our finances. And so they come saying one case, uh, a woman, uh, retirement money was uh, drained and spent on some nefarious things. Um, in another case, you know, 70 years old, together for so long, all of a sudden, I just don't want to be married. Uh, and, and, they're, and they're lost, right? And then what also strikes me in these like divorce cases is I think folks are grasping for any sort of stability and often it means that they want to keep their family home. And often that's just not the right choice because of everything else they're giving up. But women haven't been attending their financial advisor meetings or haven't been looking into accounts or haven't been listening to your podcast and educating themselves on Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs. And they don't understand what they're giving up even when they're in a divorce and they're um, trying to you know, split up assets. So hearing that story that, you know, this woman honestly was in a better situation because she actually had a password to her joint bank account. Right. Some people come to me and they don't even know how to access their joint oh bank account. God. So here's what I want to talk about with you today. I want to talk about the things that we at minimum as women or any partner in a relationship who feels out of it, out of it financially, what are the minimum things we need to know so that we're not... I mean, the triage may be inevitable. Like you may get divorced and there may be some things that you don't know. And I mean, it happens to the best of us. But in advance, how can we protect ourselves? What are some red flags that your partner may not be? My, I mean, here's another hot take. I feel like if your partner is insisting that you are not involved in the finances or that you shouldn't work for whatever reason, like not because, you know, I don't want to. That's a tricky thing. Like I get it. Some some people don't work outside of the home. Fine, but if the but if someone's like insisting upon that, 
that's weird, right? I feel like that's a huge red flag. I'm like, this person, how much do they really care about your autonomy and your independence? That's not what I think is like a good loving partnership. Absolutely. Call me crazy. So yeah, that's the about- biggest red flag, not mm-hmm. wanting to be in, having you be involved, whether yeah. it's the meeting with the financial advisor, having online login or passwords to all the accounts. And like you said, sort of forcing you to stay home. Like, and you've talked about this and I totally agree with you that there's a cost to staying at home. That's not just the salary. It's retirement and social security. And you kind of have to think about, I think you said this, like your household income, not just my husband makes this or my wife right. makes that. Yes. Right. But that's like another topic. But if, if there's an insistence that we're not even going to have this conversation about you working outside the home, any, any sort of, I mean, that's, that's control and manipulation, right? Those are all red flags. I would immediately say, nope, I want to be involved. I want the passwords. I want you to show me what we have. And I want to go to our meetings with our advisor and our accountant. The first place to, to find out what you all have together is your tax return. So ask yeah. for last year's tax return. And if you don't know how to read it, there's so many professionals that will help you decipher. And you're going to see all of your investments, all of your assets, all of your debts on there. But but I would immediately ask for that if, if there's any sort of hesitation of letting you be involved in that. So many people don't even know what their partners make. Yeah. And the tax return will, will obviously tell you that. But it's also a great place to look and see, does this line up with what my husband or my wife or my partner does for a living? You know, if they're claiming too little or a lot, that's also interesting and, and worth investigating. Because here's the thing about the tax return. If you're both signing it, you're both on the hook. A hundred percent. And I've seen that situation where, oh, I just signed it because I trust and love my husband. A couple of years later, all of a sudden you're seeing oh my gosh, there's so much debt that we both owe because I signed this, right? right. I'm on the hook as well. So you, you got to know what you're signing. You got to know what you're standing on. Now, in this essay in the New York Times, Maggie Smith, uh, she opens by talking about like, oh, we had this joint account. That was a big mistake. I don't know if that was the mistake. I think that joint accounts are useful. What is your advice on how to manage the money, the the income, the savings, the investments. Generally, we agree that there should be like your account, my account, our account. But can you get a little bit more specific about that and and how to avoid... Could she have avoided her husband depleting half their bank account? I don't think so. So what's interesting in divorce is it depends on what sort of state you're in. So there's community property states and then common law property. Um, And in community property states, you can name them, um, in those states, everything ends up in a divorce for the most part. There are, of course, exceptions to every rule being split, split 50-50. So if his intention was to get a divorce, his lawyer probably wasn't that incorrect by saying, you could take 50% of this joint account, leave 50% for your wife, because that's probably how it's going to be split. Mm. So, you know, I can under, I can see maybe why that advice was given. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think the joint account was the problem. Or necessarily that he was depleting 50% of the money if he's intending to get a divorce. It was obviously their lack of communication. And I think that's key here. But I agree with you. I usually say, have your individual accounts where you put in your own money, um, even to do something sweet for each other, like buy each other gifts as a surprise, right? Um, and then have that money also money for, hey, I need to get out of this situation. 
and I know I have something that I can I can live on for a little bit. And then the joint account should really go to joint expenses. So vacations, utilities, bills, the kids. Um, and a lot of people do this differently. Um, if both folks are working, then, um, you know, maybe they'll do it as a percentage of salary, right? Because I don't think it's necessarily fair to be putting in the same dollar amount if your husband's making three times as much as you. That's unrealistic. But I, I think be having open and honest conversations above all, regardless of how you choose to do this, is key. And I always say set up a monthly meeting to do it. Don't make it at the house. Make it your local library, coffee shop, wherever you're comfortable speaking about your finances. Because if you're in the house, you're going to get distracted by the kids, by the dishes, whatever else is going on at home. Um, and, and keep that meeting. Make it important. Go get lunch after and talk about it. Be open and communicative so everyone is on the same page. Brilliant. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy? You want a bra that's comfortable? You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. The weather's getting warmer as I record. It's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast. So finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and fingers crossed hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So luckily I found Quince. I'm honest. I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince, my very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on Quince.com. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash so money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash so money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so money.
Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution, more knowledge. This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. You know, I think that we often assume that the partner who is making less or not an income is typically the one who buries their head in the sand or isn't involved with the money stuff. But I've found too that women in particular who make as much or more are also the ones to be like, oh, I'm not really good at managing the money, so I'll let my partner handle it. It's almost, it's very complex. It's multi-layered. Part of it is like they're fighting against this like gender role situation. Or they're managing so much of the money or budget or finances at work that they're sort of exhausted and they're like, I don't really want to look at my mortgage payment. You know what I mean? You take that off. I've heard that. I've also heard that, you know, I'm really good at making money, but I'm not quote unquote good at managing the money. Again, a sort of false narrative that you may have been raised with because we live in a society that devalues women and also their potential in all realms, especially financial potential. So if this is you and you are maybe even making as much or more than your partner and you're still feeling insecure about your role as far as making financial decisions in the household and managing the money. I mean, you must see this. Yeah. What 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 are the conversations you're having with your clients who are in that camp? So we're I'm really education based and that's or education forward. Um, so if that's the case, I tend to find that it's not a matter of um, not wanting to. It's a matter of oh, I think they, my partner, know more than I do. And to your point, it's inherently men have been raised to know more about the stock market. It's been passed down generationally. I think Sally Krauchek was the one that said, you know, even look at the the jargon that's used. It's always like sports references, even the bull and the bear um, symbols. And so I don't think it's been accessible to women for a very long time. Think about it. We couldn't even get our own mortgage without a partner, a male partner signature until recently. So I think it's a lack of comfort with the jargon, the tools, um, the financial literacy that's out there. So certainly there's so many resources out there where you can start, whether it's your podcast, which I think is excellent or online tools. But I get it. When you're a busy working person, as we both are, sometimes you don't want to be doing the research on a Saturday morning. So find someone, find an expert that you're comfortable with and book an hour-long meeting with them and just be like, what, what don't I know? What questions am I not asking? What do I need to know? And this stuff, the jargon makes it seem complex, but it doesn't have to be on a very basic level. And honestly, once you're comfortable with the language, the terminology, the accounts available to you, 
you probably will want to be more a part of it. And I've seen that. I've seen, you know, single women clients who came and said, I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have to do something. And I swear, you know, many years later, they're teaching their friends what a 401k is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's truly just that this hasn't been passed on generationally between women. Um, it's always been passed generationally between men. And so it's not that people don't want to do it. I think people don't know where to start, don't know what questions to ask. Yes. Just start. Just find one person, one person you can you can talk to. And it may not even be, could be a one-dimensional relationship where you're just listening to this podcast and you're learning through this person's interviews. And to go back to Maggie's essay, I want to read this next part of her essay, which is like the aftermath and her coming to this understanding that her financial life matters and she needs to take control over her financial literacy. She said, um, from that day forward, which is the day that she you know, had that episode with her husband and the divorce, I was determined to become the adult I wished I had been in my marriage to be the CFO of my own life. It's empowering to know what's in my accounts, she says, even if I don't always love the numbers. My short-term alimony ended a couple years ago, but I'm still receiving child support. It helps in addition to my income from writing, teaching, editing, and public speaking. It's empowering to pay my own bills and see where the money is going. It's empowering to meet with my financial advisor, even if my outlook for retirement is grim. The stress of knowing is preferable to the stress of not knowing. At least if I have the information, I can act on my own behalf. This goes back to my book, A Healthy State of Panic. It's like, which finger do you favor? Which, which you know, do you want to be the person who's afraid of the unknown or do you want that it could be or right that it could be or do you want to be afraid of like the, the certainty the reality <laughs> this is my reality i now know it and what changes can i make to change it exactly you can create a plan a lot of people want to know when am i ready to work with a financial planner this is an open-ended i feel like i want you to answer this and i know you're a little biased but i do refer people to you and i trust mm-hmm. you I, I want to know you know how you think a relationship between client and financial advisor works best. What's the roles and responsibilities of each person, and when you when you are actually ready? You also have to define what does a financial planner mean to you, or what are you looking from a financial from a financial planner? Because I think the industry has changed so much over the last twenty five years. I'll say, you know, prior to it was like you couldn't buy your own stocks, bonds, mutual funds yourself, so you had to go to quote unquote, a financial advisor, but really they were brokers, right? They bought you an investment, you paid them a commission and and that was that. And that's the way you were able to do it. Now there's so many things that you can, you know, self-invest or self-plan. If you are a self-starter like that, go that route at first and see how it works out for you. Certainly um, it's, it's not as expensive, right? I would say a financial advisor in today's day and age, the way I define myself is not just someone to manage your investments, but someone to truly help you and empower you to be the CFO of your life, or maybe to be that CFO for you if you want to outsource it. And so that includes running a financial plan, which means what is your entire picture and what are all of your goals, the small and the big ones, and what are we going to do to achieve them and working together to achieve them. So really a coach in many ways. And then if you are also going to invest with that advisor, those investments should align with 
your values, your goals, your financial plan, not just, I want to make as much money as possible, right? Though, of course, we all do. Who doesn't? But, um, you know, we have to make sure we're, we're investing you in line with what you value. So I think for somebody that's hearing this saying, yeah, I've tried to do it on my own. I'm not really sure if I'm successful in it. I don't really have a plan. That could be a good time to speak with an advisor. And again, I think an honest advisor is going to say, you know what? You are doing a great job. Keep, keep going. Or you know what? Here, here we can help you and here's how. You want them to be a fiduciary. So putting your interests ahead of theirs or their business. Um, and you want them to be really transparent about fees, right? I've had people come to me saying, I have no idea what I'm even paying. And so our practice is very fee transparent. That's one of the first things we talk about, just so we all are on the same page. And I never want someone to leave me because they didn't know what I was paying right. or what they were paying. So I think it really just det- depends on where you are in your life and in your financial picture. Thank you for that. The point about fees is important. I think people are afraid to to ask even, you know, and never, you know, you don't assume because I think we hear like, oh, it costs this and it's always this percentage of your underlying assets. But I feel like it's worth having that conversation to see if there's like flexibility or what we can do. Because if I was a financial advisor and someone comes to me and maybe they're not, you know, they're not wealthy yet. Obviously, that's why they're here. They're trying to build the wealth. I'm not going to shortcut them. I'm not going to dismiss them. I'm, I'm here. This is a potentially like decades long relationship. So to be able to meet them where they're at is not just in the interest of the client, but also the financial advisor who's looking to build those relationships and those long-term client relationships. Absolutely. I think that you're right. Ask the question. Um, I've had many moments where I, I, I thought, why didn't I ask them what their fee was? I have to go back and, you know, for different services and ask, it should be one of your top questions. And somebody who's certain in their value that they can provide shouldn't be squirrely about it either. And then always, always, always get everything in writing, um, especially if it comes to making payments for any professional. You know, don't just take a verbal or a handshake as, as enough. Get it in writing. If it's not in writing, it's never been said. That's uh, my father-in-law. That's his, one of his pearls of wisdom, and it sticks with me. <laughs> <laughs> you said something earlier, Maggie, about if you are that partner in the relationship who feels in the dark and you want you, know, you get these get these things in order, like get this answer, get involved in the meetings. How do you do that emotionally? Like that's really hard. I think talking about money and then also inserting yourself financially in a relationship when that hasn't really been your disposition, your role, or your expectation it can feel like it's coming from out of left field. And so how can couples do this? How can the person do this in the relationship so that it doesn't blow up? Yeah, I think it has to be coming from I statements, right? Versus you, like you've hid this from me or you have all the passwords. You know, just, it could be as easy as, hey, I listened to this great podcast and it got me thinking, I don't actually know where things are. um, And I just want to be more involved in our financial picture and where do you, you know where do you think that's a good place to, a good places to start i think a good place is maybe i can just attend our next financial advisor or our next accounting meeting yeah um i think coming at it i mean that's genuine that's authentic that's soft again if your partner responds poorly to that you got to dig into that because most partners i see want their spouses involved more and they just don't, similarly don't want to push them. Oh, they're tired. They've had a long day. Maybe they don't, maybe they just don't care about this and we're kind of dividing and conquering here. 
So I've seen people say that and it's gone really well. Their spouses are actually thrilled because they, you know, it's kind of a lot of pressure yes. to have all of the finances on one person. Yes. I will be honest and share a little anecdote about when I was first married and I felt that way. I felt so I had to, con- I kind of had a, discussion early on when we were, I think we weren't even married yet. We were living together. We had bought this home. We were planning our wedding and I was making all these decisions and he had kind of deferred to me. I was interested in making all the decisions, frankly, but it got to a point where I was like, hmm, I'm all alone on this island of of breadwinner. And while I feel confident in my ability to make good choices, I don't want to make a mistake and be the one holding the bag. I don't want to be the only one responsible for the upsets and the failures either because there will be some. I want us to be all both of us be accountable for all of the good and all of the potential bad. And so I presented it like that. I was like this is a lot of pressure and then what it led my husband to reveal was that, you know, yes, I get that and to be honest, like I've been a little passive because as someone who makes less, I felt as though maybe my vote or my veto power wasn't as much. Interesting, right? I think that was so honest of him to share that. It's not a gender designation. Like any, I think money does symbolize power in our culture. And then when you bring that to a relationship, which I think is a mistake, but here we are, we tend to think that whatever we make, it's like a measure of our power in the relationship. And so whoever's making less is going to maybe feel that way and as a result, silence themselves, not speak up, not feel empowered. And so if that's you listening, I want to tell you, like, I don't care if you're making $0 outside of the home. Your time, your thoughts, your inputs, your goals, all of it matters equally to your partners. And, and Farnish, we, I, I, it's always amazing because I feel like we have these kindred paths, like daughter of immigrants and our money stories are so similar. and. Same story here. I'm a financial advisor. So naturally, my husband, who's in biotech, he has his PhD and, you know, biology, he's like, I default to you because this is your job. But similarly to you, I'm really tired of doing my job all day. And I would love some mutual input in our decision making. And so very similar. We had a very similar conversation. Um, We both have those monthly meetings now together. Um, and and be, this is true of anyone who's married to someone who owns their own business too. That's really complex. And your business might be worth X, but that's not all necessarily available to spend tomorrow. And I think that's something if there's a list, listeners out there whose spouses have their own business, definitely dig into the business and understand how much is the business actually bringing home? Are there any debts involved? Because you may feel that things are going very well. And I'm not saying they're not, but it might be that you're not as liquid um, or the money's not as available to you as you think. Um, and so I think that's where we came from, where he was like, you're an advisor, you know what you're doing. It's not wrong, but also he needs to understand what our business looks like. Because in the end, it is our business in the sense that he's supporting us in a different way um, while I'm growing this, you know? Yes. Great way to look at it. Maggie, tell us how we can learn more about you and find you. Sure. Uh, So our website is jondrowealth.com. That's J-O-H-N-D-R-O-W wealth.com. So there's two W's in a row. Follow us on social. Um, We post every day and hopefully um, it's a great way for you to learn 
um, little tidbits. We try to keep it short and, and sweet and easy to digest. And then if someone wants to email me directly with questions, I'm Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E at johndrawealth.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, really, for, for indulging you. me. <laughs> no, I mean, like you said, we direct message each other. And I think it started with Tradwise, which you had a great yeah. podcast on that. And, and then this, this message and your book's been phenomenal. I've been reading it too. So all in all, definitely passionate about this topic and so happy to hear you have a platform to talk about it. Yes, yes. Well, until next time, thank you so much. Thanks so much to Maggie for joining us. You can learn more about Maggie at johndrowealth.com. And I've also linked the New York Times piece in the show notes. Thanks to everybody who has signed up for the So Money Members Club. Today is the last day to sign up and we have already reached capacity, but I've left the door open for any last minute folks who want to join us and get in on the financial action. We have two workshops planned for you this month. I'm going to lead two workshops on how to earn more money in 2024. You can get access to last month's sold out investing workshop. And we also have a live office hour this month where you can drop in, drop by and ask me whatever's on your money mind. And this is going to be happening every single month, new workshops, live office hours, and so much engagement within the community. It's really exciting to see. You can go to somoneymembers.com to check us out. And today is the last day to sign up. I'll see you back here on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. And until then, I hope your day is so money. Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 